Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're not going to bullshit around with this one. We're getting right into the sponsor. And then I got to tell you who I got on the show. So sponsor in five, four, three, two, one. All right. Thank L. Ron Hubbard. That's over. Who is my guest today? My guest is Aaron Smith Levin. That is right. Aaron Smith Levin. Let me say it one more time just so you know. Aaron Smith Levin. He is a former Scientology member who uh, has an incredible story that we we touch on a little bit, but it's really not uh, because it is covered in a episode from season one. It's called Auditing from uh, Leah Remini's show, Scientology and the Aftermath. So if you're really curious, and I hope you are, go check that episode out. Uh, but we, uh, you know, we dive into uh, some other stuff about Scientology that uh, I was really really curious to pick his brain about because he is very, very educated on it. And uh, this is a very valuable episode. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. I'm not going to harp any longer. Sit back, relax, enjoy, crack open your Dianetics book, which I hope you don't have. Get ready, get set. It is one more time, Aaron Smith Levin. Hello, Aaron. Hey, how are you? I am doing great. How are you doing? Good. How's the quality on this? I'm on my AirPods. Uh, let me see. Just say something real quick. I'm going to make sure the audio levels are okay. Testing, testing, testing. Yeah. No, it sounds good. Do I sound okay? All right. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Thank you so much for uh, making time for this. And uh, like I said, when I reached out to you initially, that was a really quick reply. And that's something that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of used to just waiting around and going, all right, I guess they don't want to hop on. But uh, <laughs> that was very cool that you uh, like instantly replied. And, uh, you know, I um, I am someone that uh, is very much I've gone down this rabbit hole recently. And uh, I think it all started with uh, seeing Ron Miscavige's episode on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. And, oh, is that right? Yeah, that was, you know, because I'm a big Rogan fan. And uh, so I clicked on that one because it was a it was a kind of short one. So I was like, all right, I can do this one. And uh, just that whole story just instantly opened my eyes to it. And then, of course, I watched Leah's episode on Joe Rogan. And that even, you know, furthered my my fascination with this. And so from that point on, I have just been, you know, like I said, going down this rabbit hole. And so now I am kind of binging her A&E show. And uh, that's how I came across you because uh, you're in the episode, I think it's called Auditing. Um, yeah. And uh, so I wanted to reach out to you because it's something that just fascinates me. And I've had Ron on the show and uh, you know caught up with him because that episode of his uh, time on Joe Rogan, that's sort of a, you know, a couple of years old. So I just wanted to see where he was. And that's the same thing I want to do with you. I want to see where, um, where you are now in terms of, cause that came out in what, 2017. You mean Ron's interview? No, your, uh, your episode on, on, on the oh, show. Uh, 2017 sounds right. A few years ago. Yeah. Okay. And, um, where okay so first of all how are you uh, coping with all this because uh, i guess this is the the elephant in the room even though it's been talked about to death how are you coping with this covid19 stuff you know i'm coping wonderfully um i'm real fortunate in the fact that i've um i've, I've worked from home for years um my kids um 
you know, a lot of people complain about having their kids at home and how they're losing their minds. My kids are doing better and fighting less with each other than they ever have. I don't know what it is. Like, um, so aside from the fact that, you know, socially we can't go do what we want to do, this actually has not changed our day to day very much. And it's been, it's actually been a pretty relaxing experience. Um, uh, strangely enough, that's how it's been for us. We can't really complain. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was down in Clearwater a few weeks back. Uh, my buddy and I, we took a little road trip and, uh, um, you know, we were kind of hesitant to do it because he was like, dude, I think Clearwater might be might, like, might be considered a hot spot. And, um, I was like, all right, well, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I trust that you don't have anything. So, I mean, we'll just stay in our car. And really I wanted to go down because I had never seen, you know, I, I had only ever seen the buildings, um, from the show or, or, or from like aerial footage. And I wanted to see them up close. And, uh, that was, uh, that was quite an experience. And you live how far from the, from the flagship do you live? Oh, just, just minutes. How long ago were you guys here? Um, hold on. Let me, I have it on my phone. I have it, uh, clearly marked it was let me see here i was there april 23rd oh wow and where and where do you live oh you're in florida too right you're over on the other side yeah i'm uh it's a it's it's, it's a little city called palm coast okay it's uh um, you're on the east coast of florida right yes yeah yeah so your friend when he said it's a hot spot he didn't mean for scientology he thought it was a hot spot for the virus yeah yes yes <laughs> You know, it's funny because it's really not. I mean, I've seen some articles speculating as to why Florida, you know, because during the spring break season, um, you know, this whole region looked like a big bunch of assholes for still having spring break. <laughs> and we sort of got embarrassed on the national news. And and then the uh, the aftermath of all that was like was like nothing like our cases after three months now. And I guess I'm talking about Pinellas County, of which Clearwater is a part. Like over the last three months, we've only had a thousand diagnosed cases over the last three months in a, in a county of a million people. And that's even with spring break happening in the, in the, right in the beginning of all this. And so, you know, I've seen a whole bunch of articles speculating, you know, why did Florida not get hit so hard? And uh, some of it was like, oh, because Floridians started, you know, social distancing before they were ordered to. I think that's bullshit. That's not true. Like if you go, if you go to Walmart or Home Depot or Costco, like, yeah, everyone's supposed to be social distancing, but you're still coming as close to each other as anyone ever has been. There's nothing all that special going on. And then some of these articles were like, no, the, the virus really doesn't like the heat and humidity. Like there's something about it that slows, just makes it move slower or something. And I don't know if that's true, but but this isn't a hot spot at all. And even Florida is not a hot spot. But, you know, the one place in Florida that is is Miami, Miami-Dade County. Right. So I don't know what the hell was going on down there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what was so different in Miami than Clearwater. But, no, <laughs> we, ha we haven't been hit very hard at all, relatively speaking. Well, when we went down there um, and he was because uh, because he sort of he uh, it's it sort of surprised me how much he knew about Scientology. And, uh, you know, he was kind of because he used to he he lived in the Tampa area. So he would because uh, he went to what is it called? U.S. U USF. Yeah. 
yeah university sure. of south florida and yeah. uh he would go to clearwater from time to time and he was very familiar with that area so that's how he was able to like we were able to get in a car and he was sort of my tour guide and uh he was like you know it's it's probably going to be pretty dead on top of just naturally being dead around this area because people just people don't really like going towards that area of clearwater is that true it's true it's gotten a bad reputation um as someone who's a big advocate of going to downtown Clearwater, I think it's a reputation that it got, um, you know, over the last two decades that it probably doesn't quite deserve right now. But people are really kind of weirded out and intimidated by um, the, uh, uh, well, the, the dominating presence of the Church of Scientology. Now, a couple decades ago, you would also have like at every meal break, breakfast, lunch, dinner, you would have about 1, 1,500 people in uniforms crushing down the sidewalks and barreling across the streets because they all had to, you know, eat lunch and get back to post at the same time. See, that doesn't happen anymore. Clearwater feels different now than it did 20 years ago, but because people sort of learned their lesson to stay away, now it feels like a ghost town during a large portion of the day and during most nights. And, you know, it's one of the problems that the uh, city government is wrestling with is how in the hell do we bring downtown Clearwater back to life? How do we make downtown Clearwater um, as vibrant as uh, Dunedin or Safety Harbor or um, uh, or even, you know, Palm Harbor and Tarpon Springs? And um, uh, I think there's a path forward. But, yeah, people do not love like if you were to survey all million people in Pinellas County, very few of them would have any interest in coming to downtown Clearwater. And is it as easy as saying if the Church of Scientology, if all those buildings that are owned by Scientology, if if, if all of that just somehow vanished, is it safe to mm -hmm. say that that would probably be the be the the reason for uh, so many people coming back to that area? Well, I think even if even if you got rid of all of them tomorrow, you would still have a perception problem of Clearwater itself as being a town that is. Um, owned or controlled by Scientology. And there's so much, you'd still have to fix that perception. They would still be suspicious that maybe all these businesses are owned by Scientology, right? There's such a huge distrust um, and a dislike of the Church of Scientology. Like They're like, even a restaurant that's owned by a Scientologist, people would be like, well, I don't wanna go there because I don't want to be financially supporting the Church of Scientology, right? Yeah. Um, and the truth is the Church of Scientology is not going anywhere. No matter uh, no matter what happens, if the IRS takes away their tax exempt status today, none of these Scientology buildings in Clearwater are going anywhere. Like they're <laughs> they're they they're owned outright. Um, they don't have mortgages. They um, and so Clearwater has to accept the fact and figure out how to do what it wants to do around and despite the Church of Scientology. And that's um, that's something that I am hopeful will happen actually. And 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 to to answer it another way as well. You have problem like developers, like developers don't want to come down here and build a giant hotel when they're like, where's all the people? Where, yeah. you know, where, where's the foot traffic? Why are the sidewalks empty on a Friday night? You know? <laughs> yeah. And so it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg problem. Do you bring the people back so that you can attract new business or do you incentivize and, and um, entice new business so that there's something for the people to come back to? It's a real it's a real problem. No, it no, um, definitely is. You know? Yeah. So I'm hopeful there's a solution though. Cause uh, 
correct me if I'm wrong, because we did like we literally did the scoping. So we got out of the car, we we walked around, and you know, like I said, he was telling me that you know, don't think that this is because of COVID nineteen. I mean, that's probably helping, but. This is naturally what it looks like. It, like you said, it was a ghost town, and it was shocking to me. And of course, we're walking on the sidewalks, and uh, you know, we're passing the buildings, and I'm looking up, and I see camera after camera after camera, and you know, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, "Damn, they, this is real. Like, this is like you see it on television, you see it on Leah's show, and you know, I think." Some people might think that that's all just, you know, for show or, or, or to make it seem like, you know, it's uh, it's not as weird as it actually is. It's as weird as it actually is. It's it's incredibly it, bizarre. It really is. I mean, and so I think I saw a photo of that on your Facebook page of like you standing in front of the Clearwater Bank building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So that part of Cleveland Street, there's actually a good handful of businesses that have opened up there. Um, some of them have been there for a while. Some of them are new restaurants, wine bars, cafes that are actually doing really, really well. So that area of Cleveland Street, that's already weird enough when it's like completely empty on a Thursday evening. And you're like, what? Does not, no one live in this town? But what's even weirder, and I'm going to ask you, I was going to ask you if you walk down, um, you have Cleveland right there on the Clearwater Bank building. You have Cleveland and Fort Harrison. Cleveland looks like a decent street, even though there's nobody there most of the time. Fort Harrison is where you have all of those like Easter colored Scientology front groups with their um, their offices completely empty aside from someone sitting at reception. Did you do you know what I'm talking about? The volunteer ministers, the youth for human rights, the um, Narconon, Criminon, I help able where it literally looks like a movie set or something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I do know what you're yeah. talking about. That's fucking weird, right? <laughs> it's it's yeah dude it's uh i was asking him i was like is is this like is this what it is is this like is this so this is not because of COVID. he's like no he, he and he said what you said he said normally if you peek in there will be somebody sitting at the at the desk and i'm like okay is there anyone else in the back of the building and yeah. no and and what's weird about it is all the windows, this is something that really made me unsettling or that unsettled me, though all the windows are just, you can't peek into them. They're all covered. Yep. And I'm thinking to myself, this doesn't, I mean, they're not helping themselves. You know, if 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 they realize and they do, like you said, they they know that this this whole this whole world has this bad kind of taste with Scientology, they have to know this. Why would you why would you present yourself this way? Why would you present yourself? I mean, you're just making yourself seem more like a cult. I mean, you are, yeah. but I mean, you are literally making yourself seem like you you, you can't be trusted because you can't look it's into true. a window. You have cameras left and right. You have these people that he was telling me are um, that are Sea Org members. They're walking around. They're carrying literally multiple times. I saw people coming from it looked like some kind of a post office because they had a bunch of packages and they're just carrying them and they would go around a corner and disappear. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> this is so weird. I know. Well, you know, when it comes to Clearwater, there's actually a really good reason. And this is, um, this is stuff that, um, unless you have, a, 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 a more than a surface level familiarity with Scientology, nobody would ever understand this thing. So like, you know, flag, flag service organization of the flag land base, that's the biggest church that, you know, is here in Clearwater. Um, most Scientologists aren't even allowed to come here. 
Um, uh, Scientology takes its security very seriously. And it takes, um, and security, the level of security is very closely tied to the level of the OT levels. So like if you're in Los Angeles on L. Ron Hubbard Way, that, uh, uh, the highest level organization there only delivers up to OT5. Well, there's a lot of security around the pack base, but Flag delivers up to OT7. There's a hell of a lot more security around this base. And then the ship delivers up to OT8 and you could never get on the ship. Like that would have been possible. Like you could walk into the Fort Harrison and they would stop you within 20 feet. You could never get on the ship, okay? So um, most Scientologists aren't even allowed to come here. And so let's say I was originally from Philadelphia, the, the Church of Scientology in Philly. If somebody from Philly was just like, oh, hey, I'm gonna go see the, the Phillies do uh, their spring training. And, the, and, and while they're here, they just dropped into the flag land base and was like, oh, hey, I'm a Scientologist from Philly. I just wanted to take a tour. They'd be like, what the fuck are you doing here? You don't have approval to be here. You need to get off the base immediately. Like, so, okay. So if Scientology doesn't even want Scientologists here at Flag without permission. Wow. They sure as hell do not want non-Scientologists just walking around the, their buildings willy-nilly. You know, not people who know what Z, who Xenu is, not people who know what body things are, not people who've seen Leah Remini's show. They don't want these people. They consider all these people potential troublemakers. Like security threats is what they would call them. It's a security threat. And so that's why when the Clearwater Marine Aquarium, which is a huge tourist attraction that's right uh, between downtown Clearwater and the beach, when they were looking to move their center of operations right to downtown Clearwater, right next to the flag, um, all Scientologists locally were instructed to do everything they could, they could um, within the community, um, you know, bombarding city council with letters to absolutely protest um, the, the aquarium moving downtown. And what's amazing about that is that that's the type of thing that would that would almost overnight revitalize downtown Clearwater. If you put the Clearwater Marine Aquarium in downtown Clearwater overnight, you would transform this 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 downtown area. And yet the Church of Scientology did everything it can it could to fight it. And they succeeded. They blocked it. Um, and so the thing is, David Miscavige doesn't want non-Scientologists in Clearwater, uh, in downtown Clearwater. He doesn't care if everyone is weirded out by the oppressive presence of Scientology. He's like, good, uh, better for us, less people for us to worry about. So um, they just don't care that they're perceived that way. They really don't. I mean, that's the simple answer. But isn't it, isn't it about, because you can probably speak on this better than I could, it's, it's dwindling numbers of people that are even getting involved in Scientology. So wouldn't it be about getting more people to want to join Scientology? Yes, but not here at Flag. You can't even get into Scientology here at Flag, right? So um, that's the other thing about Scientology. They have different levels of organizations. So that the lowest level organization is called a mission. And that's like, a, a mission can be literally any size. And, and there's, there's hundreds of them around the world. And then above mission, you have a, a, what they call a class five organization. And those are the bigger organizations that have big, nice buildings. That's Philadelphia, Chicago, LA, Minneapolis, Austin, Dallas, Houston you know, Paris, Milano, those are missions and orgs, missions and class five orgs. That's where you're supposed to get into Scientology. So if you're like, all right, well, if you live in Clearwater, Tampa, where are you supposed to get into Scientology? In Tampa and in Ybor City. In Tampa, there's a class five organization. And in Ybor City, there's like, uh, it's called a test center. It's like an extension of the Tampa organization. And and then in Bel Air, which is 10 minutes down the road, there's a, there's a mission. 
So if you were to walk into the Fort Harrison as a non-Scientologist, they'd stop you almost instantly. And you say, hey, I'm really interested in Scientology. They would literally put you in a little van and drive you down to the Beller mission. And they're like, great, go start on a course over here. So um, that's a long answer to your question. Yes, they want people to get into Scientology. I mean, they want everyone in the world to get into Scientology, but not here in Clearwater. They're like, do that shit somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> like, can you do it? Uh, can you join Scientology online? Well, when you say join, you can do a course online. You can do an extension course. Um, but you can't like get auditing online because auditing is a one-on-one -on -one, like sort of a counseling situation. Um, and that can only be done in person. And um, so you can start getting into Scientology online, um, but you have to do Scientology at an actual Church of Scientology. Gotcha. And and no, for everyone listening, we're not uh, advising that you join Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what's so funny is that because <laughs> I get it, <laughs> the vast majority of people who quote unquote start doing Scientology online or reach out and express interest are, are people playing pranks. <laughs> They're people who are like doing it as a joke or doing it as a dare. I mean, even most people who walk into a church of Scientology are just doing it to sort of be like, Oh my God, like almost as um, a curiosity, like, Oh, wouldn't this be funny if we did this? Let's go do this so that we can tell our friends the story that we did it. Like the amount of people actually with genuine interest are getting into Scientology is very, 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 very small. No, that was me. That was me because we were walking. Um, we were walking towards the flagship, and I, because uh, I wanted to record this, right? Because I wanted to make sure that I had this 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 video so my buddy was to the right of me we're walking and i start recording and i and i joke i'm like all right guys so we are passing uh we're about to cross uh between david miscavige way and tom cruise lane and <laughs> and and so i start walking towards the doors of the flagship right and i'm like all right man i'm i'm joining i'm disconnecting from you and and we walk towards it, right? And I stopped filming and that's it. Cause I just wanted, like you said, I just kind of wanted to have that video to, you know, share with people to, you know, make it, you know, make a joke out of it. Right. And the second I turn away from the doors, my buddy says, oh my God, dude, some guy just came out and I turn back and he's like fixing his gloves. Cause I guess they're wearing gloves cause of the COVID-19 thing, but it doesn't help. It, it, it almost looked like he was getting ready to rough me up or something. And he just stares us down. He stares us down as we're walking. We keep walking. Yeah. We keep walking. And he just stay in. And I'm thinking to myself, are you literally just at the door waiting for someone to do that? That's all you're doing. That's the, that's your job from the moment you There's wake security up. Security guards posted um, inside every single door to every single building. Now, what would have happened if I had gone up and been like, not even trying to be a dick about it, right? Trying to be like, uh, can I get more information on this? Would they have just instantly turned me away? Well, they would have turned you away from the building and they would have escorted you to the Clearwater Bank building where I'm sure you remember this. They have, uh, you know, uh, open house, all welcome. Uh, like they usually have a sandwich sign outside that door saying open house, all welcome. And inside that first floor of the Clearwater Bank building is what they call the Scientology Informa Public Information Center. And they'll show you a bunch of videos about Scientology. They won't actually start you on a course there. They'll take you somewhere else to start a course, but that's where they go. Um, it, it's it's something that they do so that in press releases, they can say they're completely transparent and open with all the public. Ugh. And the irony here is the one building where they take you to find out about Scientology 
is the one building where there is absolutely no Scientology going on. <laughs> like, like that building is offices for the office of special affairs. Like that's where they're running the legal strategy and hiring lawyers and private investigators. And that's where they take people to find out about Scientology. So that's what that, they're never going to be like, unless you're being an asshole, they're never going to be actually aggressive and antagonistic with you. Like their job is despite appearances to sort of be as friendly as possible. So, you know, they might have the assumption that anyone who comes near their buildings is there to start trouble, um, but they would just start talking to you and asking you questions. And if they thought you were genuinely interested, they would walk you over to the Clearwater Bank building and have you watch a bunch of videos. Um, and if they thought you were just fucking with them, they would ask you to leave and threaten to call the police. <laughs> Which is uh, uh, another thing that he told me about is because uh, we were walking and there was just a bunch of cops around. And, and he was like, yeah, those are more than likely those are just they're they're waiting for a call from from someone that's in Scientology to be like, hey, get this person off of here. And then, of course, he because he's seen all of Leah's show and he was like he took me over to the park, I guess, where there was like a Chick-fil-A at one point. And, uh, and now yeah, it's... No, it was, uh, it was a checkers. Oh, a checkers. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. and he took me over there and he was like, yeah, dude, this is where, uh, when you get to that episode, cause I hadn't gotten to it yet, but he's like in, in, in one of those episodes, Leah was here with her, with her film crew and they were talking on this bench and they got, you know, kicked off of it. <laughs> yeah. That was the bench where Mark Bunker had the police called on him for sitting on a bench in an empty park. Um, and then of course, just, uh, uh, you know, now Mark Bunker's on the city council. So, you know, it shows you how little influence Scientology really has, despite uh, all the show they put up. Now your episode of her show, which by the way, her show, it's such a shame that, I mean, but I guess it's sort of like, it makes sense that you, that you kind of can't just keep it going because it's like, how much can you really just continue to talk about Scientology? I mean, there's so much you can say about it and then you know, it's sort of like, all right, that's done. It's, 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 but it's a shame that that show only ran for, I think three seasons. It's a, cause it's such a good show. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Eventually. I mean, you could keep telling, telling the same stories over and over and over again, but the truth is, you know, it wasn't A and E that canceled the show. Um, Mike and Leah were having um, an increasingly unpleasant experience in how they were being censored by Disney and what they were being allowed to say and do. And it was becoming, it got to a level where they just were, they were not gonna keep doing this show this way. And um, I still believe there will be another show, um, uh, just not on A&E. And, um, and so we'll, uh, we'll keep waiting for the news on that, but it wasn't due to a lack of interest. And, and it's true, like on the one hand, you could keep telling the same stories over and over and, uh, the argument can be made that, well, if you keep doing that, you're not really accomplishing anything. But, you know, uh, continuing to keep the public awareness high at the terribly abusive policies of this organization is kind of an accomplishment in itself. Um, but you have to realize, like when Leah started the show, it wasn't just, hey, let's do a show so that we can say we're doing a show. Like she literally wanted the government to intervene and investigate the human rights abuses in this organization. And she's not someone who likes to just spin her wheels. So when she felt like she had put out enough information that um, that to keep going would really just sort of highlight how hard it is to get the government to do anything. She's like, well, let's not just keep spinning our wheels doing the exact same thing. And they had to they had they had to scrap like three episodes, like three whole episodes that they had shot 
they had to scrap because uh, Disney said, no, I'm sorry, we can't air this. And they were like, are you fucking kidding me? Like really powerful episodes. Like um, Mike said the episodes they had to scrap were what he thinks were some of the best episodes that had been filmed over the uh, whole three seasons. Um, and so, you know, there will be more. That's what I'll say. There will be more. Yeah, they're talking about uh, doing a podcast, from my understanding. They're, they're... Yeah, and that's that's just a placeholder. I mean, that's just a placeholder. That's not going to be like the next. Uh, okay. That's not really chapter two. That's just sort of like something something they want to do because uh, because there's no show right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. I had no clue. I mean, you just I mean, I learned something new today. I had no clue that Disney owns A&E. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I had. Yeah. I didn't know. Um, I mean, it's not shocking, right? <laughs> I mean, fucking Disney owns everything, but that's crazy. I had no clue that yeah. that's why the show ended. I just thought it was maybe she felt like the like the show had run its course, and now okay, now's a good time to go out on top. But so it's safe to say that it might still be going, or maybe had like had have recently concluded within the last year or so. But damn. Well, uh, that what might still be going? Yeah. Yeah, you're. Oh, you mean- Sorry, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that, that if Mike and Leah wanted to keep doing the show in the, with the people they were doing it with at the network, they were doing it out. There would still be a show. Yes. They said, we can't keep being censored like this. We have to go to a different platform. Well, it was always weird. And I think she even commented on it that at the beginning of every episode, they would just play the same kind of uh, disclaimer over and over and over again. And, and, and anytime during a break, it would come back and it would be the church of Scientology disagrees with Leah Remini. It's, and it's just, ugh. I mean, I know why you're doing it, but get that shit out of here. I mean, I don't want to see that. I mean, I, I kind of can put that together that the church doesn't like what she's doing. I don't need to keep reading it. Um, I know. I know it was a little heavy handed. But seriously, your episode, because I'm still on season one, I'm kind of taking my time because I do know it's a it, it's a short run. So I don't want it to to, uh, you know, end so soon because I am really enjoying it. But I have gotten to your episode and, uh, um, you know, you you don't have to do the entire kind of uh, spiel or, or, or story that you told on that because it's a very it's a very good episode. Anyone listening that hasn't seen it, please check it out. But um, if you could kind of do the cliff notes version, because I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's one of those examples of the horrible practices <clears throat> of the church. And, um, you know, like I said, the episode is called auditing. So you were someone that actually was trying to become someone that did the auditing, correct? Yes. And, um, it's always very hard for me to give the cliff note version of, of that episode. Um, and it was a very hard episode to record. Um, but my brother and I were in full-time training uh, to be auditors um, at the age of 12. Um, and so my episode basically tells um, my story and the story of how Scientology's disconnection policy when taken to its extreme lengths is just life shattering, you know? Yeah, it is. I mean, that's the crux of it. I mean, it's funny. The episode's called auditing, but the episode doesn't really have much to do with auditing at all. It just is sort of the fact that me and my brother were in training to become auditors at a very young age um, and excelled in various aspects of it. But the episode itself has nothing to do with auditing. I don't know why they called it that. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and so, you know, there was a point, I'm giving the very brief Cliff Notes version because otherwise it's too hard for me to talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, things led to um, uh, my brother and I being disconnected from. 
And I think even when Scientologists disconnect from someone, they, I, it, it, they don't necessarily consider it to be permanent. Um, it's like a, a, something you're supposed to do at the time for a specific reason. And then my brother died in a car accident um, at the age of 22 or three. Um, and, and we hadn't spoken or seen each other in a few years and we were identical twins. Um, so that's the, uh, super short, sad version. Um, and it doesn't get much better in the longer version. <laughs> well, no, but it's, it's, you know, the whole disconnection policy is, I think that's probably the, would you say that that is the worst part of Scientology or is there actually even something worse than that? Well, I mean, I would say that it is. I mean, even as I say that, I sort of go, but is that my personal bias? But I go, you know what? Uh, people being defrauded, people going bankrupt. I kind of go, is that worse than tearing apart families against their will? No, I think the worst part of Scientology policy is the enforced familial disconnection. I do. Um, I mean, to a certain extent, if Scientology would just stop treating people so horribly, I think people would leave them the fuck alone. Uh, but this disconnection thing is where it gets really, really sinister, you know, between parents and children, husbands and wives. I mean, it's really fucking awful. It's really awful. It, no, it, it, it definitely is. And they believe this is the justification for disconnection, right? They believe that um, they they believe that, like, let's say your mom is not actually your mom, right? Like, that's not. Am I saying it right? Like, that's not your mom. Yeah. Uh, uh, right. To, uh, at a certain level, you're correct. So they're going. Yes, that she is the biological mother of your biological body, but we are all spiritual beings who've been alive for like 65 trillion years. And if you get enough Scientology auditing, you'll be able to remember all 65 trillion years. And whereas you can give birth to a body, you cannot give birth to a Thetan. A Thetan is Scientology's word for the spirit. Um, and they go, so she's, she's your mother if you consider yourself to be a body. She's just another Thetan if you consider yourself to be a Thetan. Her Thetan didn't give birth to your Thetan. So uh, am I am I explaining this in a way that makes sense? Yeah, you are. And that's how they that's how they justify the disconnection where if you were to be like, how do you like how can you do this to families? They'll be like, well, that's not necessarily your family. Yeah, that's Yeah, that's just because like you've lived billions and trillions of lifetimes you don't have any they'd be like you don't have any more of a connection to that person than you do to that dog walking down the street exactly you know there there could be a thetan in that dog right now and there's a thetan you know it, it, your mom is a thetan that dog could be a thetan you know there could be a thetan just hanging out on that dog like <laughs> i mean like it really gets to a point where it it, it it desensitizes one emotionally to interpersonal relationships and or even specifically familial relationships and any inherent value they may have like really just no extra value to a mother or a father than to a friend or an acquaintance and when it comes when it really comes down to it yeah yeah and and look, Aaron, I, 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 I have not met you in person, right? I've only, this is, this is the first time for that, that we've talked, but you know, I just want to say without getting, you know, uh, real emotional here or anything, it's, you know, that episode, seriously, that, that might be the most powerful episode that I've seen so far. And I, you know, I mean, it, me saying, I'm sorry for you, that doesn't help anything, but it, you know, like, I genuinely am so sorry that that is how it all had to play out. And I and I'm just happy that um, whoever reached out to her or if she found out about you, Leah, I'm talking about 
uh, I'm happy that that particular story got told. So it's, you know, we were talking earlier about how, you know, you can keep telling the same story over and over and over again, but I think your story is pretty unique in, in that, you know, you, you both, you and your brother were both in it. And then, um, you know, without going into the nitty gritty details, you know, it, it, it ended the way it ended. And it's, it's, is it safe to say that if David Miscavige wasn't in charge and let's say some other person was in charge, do you think that by taking David out of the equation, things get better? Do you think disconnection goes away or is that a tradition that whoever carries the mantle next, that has to be the, that has to be the way it goes. So disconnection itself can't go away because of how much i Ron Hubbard wrote about it and how deeply embedded it is into, um, the technology of Scientology. It could be managed better. You know, like Hubbard's one of those people who wrote so many contradictory things that someone can pretty much apply his policies the way they want to, as long as they um, structure their argument um, smartly enough for why they are choosing to do so. Um, I think the evidence for that is that David Miscavige has wildly changed how various uh, Hubbard policies are applied. So if someone new took over, they could put a prettier face on it. Um, they could do it in a way that didn't create so much havoc in people's lives, but they can. He, uh, so a new person could only change it so much, because at the end of the day, you do have to follow what Hubbard said. And uh, like I said, you could be more discerning in who you make people disconnect from, um, and they could probably tone it down to a level that um, they stopped making enemies. Do you know what I mean? Like, here's what I'm saying. Uh, if, if let's say you have a life coach. And a life coach is dealing with someone. Um, I'm, I'm not really a big fan of that, the whole industry of life coaching, but I'm just using that as an example because Scientology sort of sees itself as sort of professional, a professional life coach industry. Um, and let's say you're trying to help someone and they identify someone they think is being really, really toxic in their own lives. Well, if you encourage someone to disconnect from somebody who they themselves have identified as toxic, well, that doesn't sound horrible, right? I mean, no one has to talk, deal with anyone they don't want to deal with. Where, where it gets weird and where Scientology crosses the line is when they insist that somebody has to disconnect from somebody they don't want to disconnect from. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? So when I say you could tone it down, you could put a prettier face on it, um, a new person certainly could do that. Um, but the problem is Hubbard's policies he talks a lot about what a suppressive person is and he talks about it in a way that nobody would really disagree with. You know, when he talks about what a suppressive person is, he's talking about the Hitlers of the world. He's talking about the Stalins of the world. And then, and then he talks about this for a really long time in a lot of different places. And then he basically, it's almost like a footnote. I'm exaggerating to anyone who's actually listening to this and is familiar with what I'm talking about, but there's basically a footnote that was like, Oh yeah. And by the way, everything I've just said, applies to anybody who doesn't like Scientology. And you're like, wait, wait, motherfucker. That was, you just did a pretty big 180, right? That was a bait and switch, right? Like you had me the whole way. And then you're like, oh, by the way, your mother shit talks Scientology. This applies to her too. Uh, you're like, whoa, hold on now, hold on now. And then, <laughs> no, look, I'm exaggerating. It's not quite like that. But but this is what I'm saying. He, he writes about things in such a way that you can pick and choose sort of the absolute worst way to apply something. And, you know, like, so someone could come along and be like, oh, by the way, we're not gonna make you disconnect from your mom because that would make your life a lot worse. 
and someone, some other person come along and be like, what, what, you don't want to disconnect from your mother? Uh, you, you must hate L. Ron Hubbard in Scientology because you don't, you don't believe in any of this. You know, like they can really beat you over the head with it to get you to apply it the way they want you to apply it. And the Miscavige version of Scientology, um, by all accounts, is, is much more militant and draconian than, um, than the earlier Hubbard version of Scientology. Um, and I don't know, make of that what you will. Like, however bad Scientology was under Hubbard, Miscavige has figured out how to make it worse. Um, if the crux of your question is, could Scientology be reformed? Uh, structurally, I don't think so, because Miscavige has so much, uh, so much power. Like, he has unquestionable power, meaning it cannot be questioned. It's like, it's like the, 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 uh, the, the Kim family in North Korea, you know, to an American, it might be like, geez, why don't, why, don't, why don't all those guys just rise up and overthrow that dude? Well, if you live there, you know why that's not possible. And if you're in Scientology, you know why David Miscavige, nothing can ever be done about David Miscavige. It, sometimes that's only, it's only understandable to someone who's actually been there. Um, the, the thing with David Miscavige that blows me away, and um, it, 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 so many things about it blow me away, but the thing that really, truly blows my mind is the fact that they're, because I've heard so many horror stories of this guy beats me, this guy hits me, this guy is physically abusive to me, yet there is not, and can you imagine if there was, there's not one single uh, a piece of video that's ever been like, like, like someone had a secret camera kind of attached to them that that no one knew about and they knew like, okay, maybe I can capture this. You know what I mean? And I know that the reason is, is because when you're in there, you're not thinking that you're not thinking, Oh, I want to try to get David Miscavige, you know, fucked in a exactly. way. Exactly. It's not even, it's not even a, a tiny blip on the periphery of your consciousness. Like you are there thinking it's us versus them. We in Scientology are the elite. We in the Sea Org are the elite. We at international management are the elite. That is how they think. And we, like, they, they really think they're like the special force, special forces operators of this elite unit salvaging the entire fucking galaxy. You know, like, honestly, that sounds like an exaggeration. That is not an exaggeration. That is how they see themselves. So when David Miscavige is beating people up, Sea Org members aren't allergic to violence. Sea Org members... Um, they may not. The, LRH literally said it's okay to hurt someone as long as you're doing it to execute your post duties. Like he fucking wrote it. Seared members aren't like it's not like the military or any level of government where at some level you have a whistleblower. At some level you have someone who has more loyalty to the idea of what they're doing than to the people they're doing it with. Like they're willing to expose the the bad actors. That is not the case at any level of Scientology management. There's nobody sitting there going, I'm going to be the one to expose David Miscavige to the world. Because if they actually felt that way, then they wouldn't even believe in Scientology anymore. And they would have already left because you can leave. That's the thing. You can leave. Like it, it is possible. I mean, even the show proves that you're so you're only on season one. Just wait till you get to season two and three. Like people leave all the time. So if somebody's getting to the level um, where they literally don't want to be there anymore to, to the point where they like want to capture David Miscavige beating somebody on a cell phone they would have already left they, they wouldn't stick around just to do something like that um so yeah literally it's, it's unheard of and and I think if you were to talk to public Scientologists right you would get two different answers as to like one do you believe that David Miscavige does this stuff and what do you think about it they'd either be like oh no 
those are complete lies made up by evil SPs being paid off by Big Pharma. Or they would be like, well, I'm sure if he did it, he did it for a good reason. Like there's, <laughs> there's, there's no basic principles that are violated in the mind of a Scientologist by this purported behavior of David Miscavige. Either it's not true or he had a good reason because they think the guy's walks on fucking water. I mean, it's the most incredible thing to see how someone's entire persona could be stage managed to such a degree that, um, I mean, they think this guy is the smartest, most competent man on earth. I mean, you've probably seen some of these videos of, uh, Tom Cruise on stage getting his big giant um, medal, um, IAS Freedom Medal of Honor, and making this whole speech about David Miscavige. And when you have Tom Cruise, <laughs> who's arguably the most famous person on earth, oh yeah, standing up there saying, I have met all of the most powerful leaders on this planet, and David Miscavige is the leader of leaders. When, when you have Tom fucking Cruise saying that shit, uh, you know, people believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but don't they know that he also was jumping on like sofas? And I mean, he, geez, you're, you're going to take your word from that dude? I mean, yeah, he's a great actor. I can't take anything away from him. He is talented. Uh, I, I will say after falling into this rabbit hole, I am I like from here on out, like I'm not supporting him in terms of going to his movies and, you know, that, you know, hurts. But I mean, I can't I can't actually directly support someone that. Um, you know, from, from my understanding, if he has to follow every policy that, that, that Scientology enforces, that means he hasn't seen his daughter from, from his marriage with Katie Holmes. And that's awful. You know, he hasn't, that's not, I think, I think people might think that's just tabloid stuff. He has not seen Surrey in years. What the hell? That's all. <laughs> and we, we know that from people who know them. Um, and that's, that's for real. That's for real. That's, but that's awful that you're making that choice. You know, I am choosing my religion, quote unquote, over my daughter. And I mean, yeah. that's the level of brainwashing that's going on here. But, but just to really quickly circle back around to the David Miscavige thing, can you imagine though, if, if a video did come out, let's say hypothetically, a, a, like a video came out, right? T, like TMZ got it or something. And it showed him physically abusing somebody within the walls of Scientology. Is that enough to do something radical to the church or that's still not enough? It's not enough. It would, it would do something, but it's not enough. Um, so uh, another way I'm going to explain this. When you, uh, the ends justifies the means could pretty much be the slogan for the Church of Scientology. Um, they consider the mission that they are undertaking. When I say save everyone on this planet or in this galaxy, that's not an exaggeration. And so let me make an analogy to the matrix. Uh, there's a video I have on my YouTube channel comparing um, how Scientologists think about the world to the movie, the matrix. And it's actually a pretty funny video. I'll send you a link when we're done. Okay. So, I mean, you're familiar with the movie, right? Of course. Okay. So let's say, you know, uh, Neo gets unplugged from the matrix and he sees, you know, now he's with whatever, 10, 15, 20 other people who've been unplugged from the matrix and they live a pretty shitty existence. Right. Yes. Um, but they've decided that there's nothing more important than unplugging everyone else from the matrix and letting them know that they're, that they're being enslaved without even knowing about it. Okay. So I guess you'd have to ask yourself if Morpheus was just an asshole to everybody who worked with him, would those guys be like, ah, fuck this. 
let's let's uh, screw this. This guy's too much of a dick. I don't want to support this anymore. You, some of them might be like, oh yeah, fuck this. I'd rather be plugged back into the matrix. But most of them are going to be like, yeah, he's an asshole. But what are we going to throw our whole mission away just because this guy's being a dick? You know what I mean? Like that's what would happen. So if they said David Miscavige beating somebody up, they'd be like, well, that sucks. But does that change the mission we're doing? They'd be like, no, it doesn't change anything. They'd be like, well, they, they, they'd either, <laughs> two things. They'd either be like, wow, we have no idea what led up to that. It, the guy must have really deserved it. Or two, oh, it's just a deep fake anyway. And that's probably, the, the, the SPs being funded by Big Pharma just uh, created a deep fake to try to trick us all in abandoning our mission. Like, really, I mean, Scientologists oh. are so conspiracy theory minded. Um, so it, there are some people that, would, who, if they were already on the fence about even believing in Scientology, would probably be like, oh, that's all I needed to put me over the edge. But like, if you believe in Scientology and in what they say their mission is, there's nothing that could ever actually shake you off of that. The only way someone ends up getting out of Scientology if someone starts to not actually believe in it anymore. They start to think, oh shit, we're all just being bullshitted here. So, um, you know, for most people, seeing Miscavige punch someone in the head or whatever wouldn't make them not believe in Scientology itself. So uh, the impact it would have would be quite limited. But legally, nothing would happen? Like, people wouldn't, like, 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 like you couldn't take that video to, like, I don't know. Like... Oh, if it, if, if it was within the statute of limitations, uh, charges could be pressed. But, but the person themselves has to press the charge. Like, I, would that be criminal or civil? I don't know. But, um, uh, but like... Yeah, charges could be pressed if it was w within the statute of limitations. Okay, know? and then okay, so then let so let's say that happens, right? And then so now uh, there's a court case against David Miscavige. He gets removed from his position, but then I guess it's just a vicious circle, isn't it? Because then someone else is going to come in, and I mean, what's I mean, they're probably not going to be any less hard than 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 David is, right? Right. And also you have to remember that even if you put a, a softer edge on some of Scientology's worst policies, oh. at the end of it, at the end of the day, science, to believe in Scientology still requires you to believe that we are all basically imprisoned on this planet a la Matrix style. And only Scientology can fix that. Like that is still what Scientologists believe. They still believe that this planet is being ruled by evil psychiatrists that know Scientology is the only thing that can free mankind from their control. And then when you get that sort of fundamentalist level of us versus them mentality, it just breeds um, disregard for the law. You know, it, it, it just goes back to the ends justifies the means. When you think that the importance of what you're doing, that literally the eternal spiritual freedom of every man woman and child on this planet hangs in the balance based on your you accomplishing your mission that just always leads down a dark path um so any little um softer edge you could put on it um would only be so that maybe they got a little less bad press um but at the end of the day they don't care about their press they care about accomplishing their mission and their mission requires them to force people to cut off all contact with anybody who questions the value of uh, what they're trying to do. And that's the sad part, isn't it? That's the sad part. They believe so heavily in this. I mean, you were involved in it. You believed it at one point, right? You, Absolutely. You, you believed 
the stuff, and I'm quoting Joe Rogan because I love when he said this. This, I mean, this just uh, drove home the point. He was like, "You do realize L. Ron Hubbard wrote more fake shit than anyone else that ever lived." <laughs> it's so. I mean, it's. I mean, you believed in someone that was a science fiction writer. People believe a science fiction writer, and I know, and. I, like I wish I could be there. I wish I could be there when David Miscavige dies, right? And he he his 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 mission on this earth is done. He has completed it. He is now leaving his body to go do some other shit somewhere else. But in reality, he had a heart attack. I wish I could be there when he realizes that oh, all that shit I believed in, that was no. That I mean that uh, that's not happening. You know. I mean, I know. who am I to you- say? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Have you heard the explanation for, cause I know Joe has mentioned that I, I, I'm a big fan of Joe's as well. And I would, God, I wish I could add a, have a chance to talk to him about this whole subject, but have you heard the explanation for why it's not a red flag for Scientologists that Hubbard was such a prolific, uh, uh, fantasy sci-fi writer? I have not. Okay. Um, you know, the fact that he was a sci-fi writer is something that's heavily promoted in Scientology. That's not something they try to hide. And it's one of these self-reinforcing mechanisms because the truth is Hubbard was an unbelievably prolific writer. The Pulp Fiction stories, the science fiction stories. And it's funny, people like to shit on his stories. Maybe it's because I grew up with him. I actually love those stories. I don't have a problem with that shit. But here's the thing. They believe the reason he was able to sit down and write a whole story from beginning to end with no notes and pump out such high quantity is because he wasn't making up the stories. He was writing from his recall of his past lives. These are all his experiences. He's, he's, he, oh, he, like, right? Remember, I said earlier in this interview that, um, yeah, they believe that if you have enough auditing, you'll remember every second of your last 76 trillion years or whatever it is. Yeah. That's what they believe he was doing. Uh, he was just sitting down and writing stories from his experiences. Uh, so even so, Joe is sitting there going, "How can these guys know that he wrote more fake stuff than anyone else in history?" And yet, Scientology is the part that was true. No, because the fact that he could remember all of his past lives to the point where he could just sit down and pump out a story like that serves to reinforce the fact. That that's a part. That's how he was able to develop Scientology because he's been working on Scientology for several lifetimes. Scientologists believe L. Ron Hubbard was Buddha. They believe that as Buddha, and I'm going to get this wrong because I'm not familiar with Buddhism. Uh, what is the state? The state is called Bodhi, or is the Bodhi what you call someone who's achieved the enlightenment? Some shit. You don't quote me on that. <laughs> okay. But, but Hubbard says that as Buddha, his accomplishment was this level. Let's just say called Bodhi. I'm sure I'm fucking it up. And then, but, but then Hubbard discovered that that was only a temporary state and he needed to advance his research to the point where he could create that state permanently. And now he says in Scientology, the state of clear is now the permanent version of what he had previously accomplished when he was Buddha. Like, this is what Scientologists believe for real. So, you know, uh, so Joe's sitting over there going like, do these guys not know he he's he, he wrote bullshit for a living? Yeah. But the fact that he was able to, they think is proof. It reinforces this idea. Yeah, that's. Oh, hold on. My phone's talking to me. My, my watch is talking to me. That's <laughs> it's, it's that Scientology. Means, that's, why, yeah, that's why he was able to develop Scientology. It was these two things 
we're not disrelated. Isn't that, isn't that wild? How, like it actually serves to reinforce the truth of Scientology to Scientologists. That's the thing. But that I mean, that's, I mean, you couldn't tell them that, but that's just the power of brainwashing. I mean, you can come up with an answer to anything, anything. I know, I know. <laughs> and, and this is, it's, it's almost sad, but we're just talking about the truth here. People come to me all the time and say, when you were in Scientology, what could someone have said to you to get you to leave? Nothing. And I just look him right in the eye and I say, nothing. Yeah. There, there's nothing. Well, then how did you leave? And then I have to tell them the whole story. Like, yeah. everyone ends up leaving when they are pushed beyond the level of abuse they are personally willing to put up with. And even then, they usually don't actually want to leave. They just sort of feel like they have no choice. You know, and then only once they leave are they able to like decompress to a level where they can look at information critical of Scientology all around Hubbard and 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 see the truth of it. And then, you know, like it's an unraveling, it's like peeling off the layers of an onion. Very rarely does anyone just leave Scientology overnight or even you know over a few weeks or a few months. It took me years from you know, it started with questioning. David Miscavige. Then it started with questioning international management. It took me years before I actually started to question L. Ron Hubbard himself. You know, like it's a really slow process. I mean, how do you convince a Christian there is no heaven? That's a hard one because once you convince them of that, they're not a Christian anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so anyway, yeah, there's um well, that anecdote. Oh yeah, people. What what could someone have said to you to get you to leave Scientology? Even knowing everything I know now, I can still say, without hesitation. There's nothing anybody could have said to me to get me to leave Scientology. It, it's a decision someone makes for themselves when they just can't put up with the abuse, whatever kind of abuse that is, whether it's not constantly being harassed for money, whether it's being told to disconnect from your children, whether it's getting beat up at in management every day, whatever that is, it's different for each person. Um, and uh, it's sad, man. It's sad. People have to make up their own minds and travel their own paths. Yeah, and it's a shame that it, you know, the stuff has to happen the way it does. That deep fake stuff you were talking about earlier, man, that is uh I wanted to uh comment on that, but then we, you know, kept going and and uh, it almost slipped my mind, but I just thought of it. I was thinking that is, I mean, if we're going to make a Tom Cruise reference, that's some minority report shit where you can. I mean, that is some scary stuff. I mean, if you actually think about it, I mean, that would be a good rebuttal from Scientology. No, that wasn't David Miscavige. That was just someone that deep faked it. I mean, that is actually something we can do now. You know, I mean, I can put my face on someone else and it looks like me. And yet it's not me. It's like, Jesus Christ. Absolutely. It is scary. It is scary. <laughs> um, and, and even as easy as it would be, like, no matter what no matter what evidence comes out against David Miscavige, um, audio video, uh, AV style, I mean, there won't be any, but theoretically, um, not only could they just claim uh, deep fake, but there's another level of information control within Scientology that is so intense, um, it's hard to expect anybody to believe it. Now, you haven't gotten to this episode, but I believe it's season three. They talked to Valerie Haney, who was um, Shelly Miscavige's uh, assistant. And, and by the way, she's now Leah Remini's assistant. She's escaped Scientology and works for Leah Remini. But she worked at international management, okay? And, and Mike Rinder worked at international management. Um, when Mike Rinder left, I mean, I, and I, I won't get into all the details of the story, but you, you know that Mike Rinder, um, you know, he was in the hole for years at management. And then he was sent by Miscavige over to England to 
to deal with John Sweeney, who was doing a show about Scientology, and Mike was supposed to stop John Sweeney from doing the show. And while in London, Mike was finally pushed beyond the limit of the abuse he was willing to put up with. And he just walked out the fucking door under some pretense and got on the subway uh, uh, and, and never went back, okay? So he blew, he left. Okay, you have to, Valerie Haney worked at international management. Mike Rinder worked at international management. I spoke to Val and, and I asked her, I was like, hey, when Mike, when Mike left, like, did you guys know about it? She goes, it was four years before I knew Mike wasn't there anymore. What? <laughs> like, people don't understand that this level of information control is possible, right? People are so wrapped up in their day-to-day lives at the highest levels of Scientology management. There's so much stress and pressure that people are dealing with in their everyday lives that they're only ever paying attention to what is directly in front of them at any given time. And within the C organization, you know, people disappear all the time. I don't mean disappear like they're dead or they're gone. I mean, people just get sent off to do random things at a drop of a hat. Valerie, Mike Rinder was gone out of Scientology for four years before Valerie even knew he wasn't working there anymore. Can you fucking believe that? No. It's insane. That's truly incredible. Uh, yeah, the thing that boils my, I mean, I like, I haven't gotten to that episode and I'm sure it'll, you know, uh, it'll upset me, but we do know Mike Rinder is okay. We, like, like, we see him. You said Shelly Miscavige. That is the thing that like, ooh, that boils my blood beyond belief, man. Like how nothing seems to be happening from that. And I know that's a big thing with Leah. Um, and I'm so on board with her for it because it's just, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> well, there is a whole episode about Shelly. Have you seen it yet? Is it in season uh, one? No, because I don't think I, I don't have. Think, I don't think I, I have. I don't think it's in season one. So the thing is, um, again, this is one of these things where this is a lot more upsetting to people outside of Scientology than it is inside of Scientology. Um, because just like I said, it's hard to truly grasp the level of information control that exists at the highest levels of Scientology management. It's also hard to grasp the culture um, within which Shelly's disappearance has happened. And here's what I mean. Um, Shelly is both David Miscavige's wife and was also his personal assistant, okay? Now, in the C organization, being somebody's spouse is means nothing. It's utterly meaningless. It's not like in the regular world, like if you have a high-level politician and he's married, well, knowing his wife is important. Like that's just common courtesy. Like his wife would, a politician's wife would attend events with them. It would be on stage with them, make public appearances with them. In the C organization, being somebody's wife has zero meaning, okay? So when you hear that that Shelly Miscavige, uh, you know, never left Miscavige's side and traveled with him everywhere for 15 or 20 years, it's not because she was his wife. It's because she was his assistant, Okay. And people at international management and at the other confidential Scientology bases, these people are never seen in public. I mean, they, they work at confidential bases, even within Scientology, people don't see these people. So when Shelly Miscavige gets in, you know, uh, gets in bad with David and he removes her from her post, Shelly Miscavige ceases to be a public individual. So look, I was born and uh, not born. I, 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 I was four years old when my mom got into Scientology. I then worked for Scientology for over half my life. 
I spent seven years on various Sea Org bases. Um, I attended every single major international Scientology event for over 15 years. I have only ever laid eyes on Shelly Miscavige once. And that's when she was actually on her post. So my point here is this. Once David removed her from her post and reposted her at another base, there's actually no reason for any of us to ever expect to see her again. And so when people say she's missing, I almost go, well, what do you mean? Well, it means she hasn't been seen. And I go, seen by who? I guarantee you the people working with her have seen her. So, but here's the thing. The reason Leah uh, thinks that the, um, that the, the Shelly issue is so important is because Leah really wants Shelly to know. Leah understands the prison of belief that these people are in. And, uh, and Leah, Leah believes that if, if Shelly knew that she had someone on the outside world who would make sure she was 100% taken care of, she wants Shelly to have the opportunity to either accept or decline that offer of help. Um, and Leah has not been able to make sure that Shelly understands that offer is on the table. Um, and the fact is, if Shelly got sick and died, you might not ever know about it. But uh, people who think that um, Miscavige you know, has had Shelly killed or she's being held against her will, I'm not even sure Leah would say that. In fact, I, I know she wouldn't because in the episode of the show about Shelly Miscavige, they show you where Shelly is currently posted. They show you where she's working. So um, the other reason this gets harped on is because it's actually really, really embarrassing to David Miscavige that the leader of this worldwide religion, quote unquote, that claims to have all of the answers to every problem in life can't, couldn't manage to keep his own marriage together, right? Couldn't manage to um, keep his own wife uh, in, in good graces. Like it's an embarrassment to him personally. So I think that's the other reason this really gets harped on. But, um, but the problem is that if the story gets told a certain way, it leads people to believe that there's some cover up at the law enforcement level. And that's unfortunate because that's not actually true. Um, you know, uh, there was a missing persons report filed on Shelly and they did, they did make contact with Shelly. And uh, so, but, but then, but then they don't, they don't have to update Leah about that. Like, in fact, on a, some level, they may not even be allowed to update Leah about that. And even though, but Leah, Leah doesn't have to be happy about that. You know, like she's really pissed off that these people uh, went and, and met with Shelly and didn't meet with her alone. To the best of our knowledge, when they met with Shelly, there was uh, other people present. And Leah's, Leah's sitting here going, well, Jesus Christ, if you guys knew anything about how cults work, if you knew anything about the mind control aspect of cults, you would have insisted on meeting with her alone. And you would have asked her if she wanted to leave. And so Leah is very unhappy with how the law enforcement has handled it. But I think law enforcement has handled it to the degree and extent to which they, they have been able to. And there's one other thing here. I know I'm, go I'm going on on this a little bit, but here's uh, one thing okay. people forget. Shelly Miscavige was practically raised by L. Ron Hubbard, right? Um, she, everything I've said in this interview about what it means to be a true believer in Scientology, Shelly Miscavige is a true believer in Scientology. Um, nobody seems to have questioned whether she was um, there against her will before she was taken off of her post, right? Like as long as she was COB's assistant, David Miscavige's assistant, nobody seems to be questioning whether she actually wanted to be there. I mean, you understand, she was one of the most powerful people in Scientology. She wasn't just 
David Miscavige's assistant in the way, you know, you get someone coffee and make their appointments. I mean, she was one of the most powerful people in Scientology. Um, why would we think she doesn't want to be there now? Like, like, that's just a question I'm throwing out there, right? Like, she's a believer in the cause of Scientology. She believes that Scientology's mission is to basically free every man, woman, child on this planet and, and, and um, uh, avail them of eternal spiritual freedom. I'm not sure it's intellectually honest to say now that she's no longer COB's assistant, she must be there against her will. Um, and one thing I'll say in support of that is look at how many high level executives have left with huge golden parachutes like millions of dollars to just go away and be quiet. Shelly Miscavige knows all of those people. And again, I'm just throwing this out there. Shelly knows that if she wanted to leave with a huge fucking payout and sign a million different NDAs and, you know, go off to Ecuador where nobody would ever bother her or find her, that, that opportunity is probably on the table, right? <laughs> I'm sure Miscavige would still rather have her on the confines of a secure base than have her living her best life in Ecuador or Peru or something. But I'm just saying, I'm not sure we have great reason to believe she's there against her will. And that's all. And if you watch the episode um, about Shelly, there's nothing I'm, I've said that's inconsistent with what's in that episode. So I'll be curious to hear from you after you see that one. Let me know what you think. Yeah, for sure. And did you ever catch the, uh, it was, I think, uh, the 2020 version in Australia? Uh, yes. Okay, you saw that episode? That, I think that was the boiling point for me where it was like, okay, yes, everything you just said, I believe in. And, and okay, so that makes sense. You know, someone someone can be brainwashed. And who are we to say, hey, look, you are brainwashed. Get out of there. If they want to believe in it, that's okay. I think the thing that bothers me the most is, all, all I want, all I want as a viewer is when they did that 2020 episode where they went up to the place supposedly and, and asked for her, just let me see her. Like that's, that, that's the only thing. Just can I, can, can the public see her? Can, can we just understand that she is not missing? That's the thing. And, and, and then I think everything could be dropped. I think it's okay. There she is. But I think it's the fact that they don't even show her the, like the fact that they don't want people to see her and, that just you're creates right. that creates I mean, the distrust. You're right. You're right. I mean, on one level, you have to be like, Jesus, if if Miscavige just wanted to shut everybody up, he would just show her. And again, it's just my opinion on this. You have to understand what a fucking sociopath and an asshole Miscavige is. And so on the one hand, I think, uh, again, pure speculation. OK, on the one hand, I think him refusing to show Shelly is just his way of giving the middle finger to everybody like you cannot control me and what I do. On the other hand, it also allows him to keep people talking about something that can't really hurt him. Like, if Shelly's there and on post and doing fine, uh, he's perfectly happy to have everybody, you know, chattering about something that actually is false. Like, if Miscavige were to sit here and go, would he rather have people talking about stuff that's true or talking about stuff that's false? He'd rather have people talking about stuff that's false, right? Um, Again, I'm just saying, I, I think the fact that he's given everybody a middle finger by refusing to show her is probably the bigger thing. But like, it doesn't hurt him to have people talking about Shelly being missing if Shelly's fine. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? I mean, it, I, I don't know. I understand that people are divided on this. Um, but the thing is like, 
nobody at those bases is seen publicly. And I, I think I think a lot of the public outrage comes that, that they don't quite understand that being somebody's wife in the Sea Org doesn't mean anything. And if she had always been a groundskeeper at the sea, uh, the CST is short for the Church of Spiritual Technology, which is one of these sub-organizations within the um, hierarchy of uh, the Church of Scientology corporate structure. If she had always been a gardener at CST, nobody would have ever seen her or heard from her ever. It's only the fact that her current post and her current level of visibility so so massively contracts with her previous post and her previous level of visibility that like, oh my God, where'd she go? But within the Sea Org, that's actually not weird. And that's why there has been no backlash against Miscavige for this. There's no Sea Org member that's like, oh no, is Shelly okay? Like I just said, Valerie Haney didn't even know Mike Rinder was gone for four years, right? Like you asked me before, what would happen if, uh, you know, a video got out of David Miscavige beating someone and we had that conversation. The fact that Shelly's not around anymore, no one in the Sea Org even thinks that's weird. <laughs> Jeez. So anyway. I don't know. It's uh, it's all a bad, uh, or I guess you could say good, because I love the show, Black Mirror. It's all a, it's all a Black Mirror episode. Um, it is. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's scary stuff. I'm happy that uh, it has never actually you know affected my life. Uh, I don't know anyone that's in Scientology. It's it's just something that I kind of look at from outside, and and I can't imagine how anyone gets into it, and I can't imagine anyone is getting into it. And so we'll round out this conversation because I really appreciate your time, and I don't want to, you know, I'm sure you have stuff to do today, but I I I, I want to round it out with there is no one joining. Like there cannot be people actually physically, not to your point of just trying to do a prank. There cannot actually be people that are serious about this. There can't be. Yeah. I, I mean, there are a few, but it's not a lot. And, you know, the churn rate in Scientology is like north of 95%. I mean, honestly, for everyone that walks in the door and you realize Scientology counts anyone who's ever walked in their door in the last 50 years as, as a member. But um, the amount of, they're shrinking so they're shrinking very quickly. There's a lot more people leaving than are getting in. And even the people that walk in 95% or more of those guys walk out the door within a few months. Um, you know, back in the early nineties, there was about a hundred thousand active members. Uh, now it's closer to 30, 35,000 at most. Um, and that's, that trend is, is only getting worse in this information age. Like Scientology's, a punchline now it's a joke yeah you know uh before most people just hadn't heard of it now it's a well-known joke so i agree with you um scientology is a problem that to some extent is handling itself <laughs> you know but as their numbers dwindle their their finances keep strengthening um and they have such a a, a tight hold on some very wealthy people you know so we'll see it's only going to get tough for them they got a lot of lawsuits coming um, they've got Mark Bunker on the Clearwater City Council. Um, I think they're going to have to deal with some uh, some other people on the Clearwater City Council uh, soon. Um, I expect we'll be hearing about some uh, federal investigations pretty pretty soon. I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff coming Scientology's way, so and, we'll see what happens. And hopefully, let's hope that in our lifetime, Tom Cruise comes to his senses. And 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 all the high profile John Travolta, the Kirstie Alleys, the Elizabeth Mosses, but you know Tom Cruise. Let's hope that that guy. Can you imagine how how amazing that would be 
if all of a sudden and that would be worthy of breaking news on on like every news station breaking news yeah, tom, yeah. tom cruise leaves scientology what if tom left scientology and spoke publicly about it that that would destroy scientology it would i believe that would yeah. oh let's cross our <laughs> fingers aaron let's cross our fingers um yep. Look, I, I, I really appreciate uh, your coming on here and I uh, definitely want to stay in touch with you. And, um, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to what's going on, like you said, with uh, Leah's uh, next next step. And hopefully you're involved in some capacity. Do you think like that could be a possibility or? We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll know more soon. All right. I'll uh, I'll be anxious to see. So thank you so much for coming on. All right. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later.